On this episode of AV Week, we take a look at where the state of AV over IP is landing, uh, what technology in the industry should go bye-bye, and take a look back at CES 2022 and its impact on the commercial AV space. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. 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 Is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 542, recorded Friday, December 7th, 2022. Wink, wink. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlona, the go to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. And by Just Add Power. The global leader in video over IP solutions with systems that give you easy installation, unmatched scalability, and outstanding performance. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, uh, we say from parts unknown, we know where she lives and where she works. We just don't say it on the air. Her name is Dawn Mead. You know her as AV Dawn. Welcome, ma'am. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Also with us uh, is uh, my buddy, Mr. Willie Franklin. I met Willie about a year ago or so. Uh, Otterbein University is where he resides. Welcome, sir. Hey, thanks, Tim. Good to be back. All right. And last but not least, uh, from the great white north, uh, Mr. Matt D. Scott from Omega Audio Video, but also the host of our Resi Week program. Welcome, sir. Hello, Timothy. How are you? I am fabulous. Excellent. I'm very happy for you. I'm, I'm watching my watch to see how long it takes Matt to make fun of my hair. So it seems to be something. Grandma, I would never make fun there of There it is. All right. First story comes to us from darn near anything, uh, any uh, news outlet on the planet. Consumer CES 2022 happened this week. It happened in person, put on by the uh, Consumer Te- Technology Association, the CTA. Uh, I say CES without naming or, or defining that acronym, or, uh, that acronym because, well, it's just called CES now. It used to be called the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, CTA a number of years ago said, nope, it's just called CES. Not, it's more than just uh, Consumer Electronics. Um, a number of things came out of it. Uh, I personally went for the first time ever, uh, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but first, and Don, we'll start with you on this. From your perspective and, and, and someone not going to it, what was what was the news that you were reading that, that kind of struck your uh, struck your interest? Honestly, the biggest thing that struck my interest was a lot of the tech publications were calling it the zombie show because of the COVID restrictions and the, and the new uh, Omicron variant that, that was uh, coming through. And, and all the pictures I saw of CES basically consisted of, you know, plywood floors and little boxes with QR codes on top and not much else. So um, theoretically, there was some cool stuff there for those of you that got to go, but um, the, the, the way it was reported in the media that I saw was kind of like tens of people came and we saw couples of products. So the 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 one booth that she's talking about, LG, uh, took their booth. They they showed up, uh, but they put their entire thing down in in plywood and and put QR codes on the on the benches, which I thought was very interesting. Um, Samsung certainly was Shoot there. Up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Samsung was certainly there. Canon was there, and I'll talk about them in a second. Sony was there, um, and there were certainly some products that that I took away from a commercial standpoint. 
Uh, Willie, from your perspective and the, the, the media that you were watching, what did you take away? Oh, it hurts that I was not able to attend. Um, COVID has just kind of ramrodded our ability to get out of the house here with regards to leaving campus and attending events such as that. So aside from conversation with peers, reading information online, and continuing to try to stay abreast of what's happening in the industry, um, I guess I was an absent zombie for the event. That'll work. Uh, Matt D. Scott, where are you you were one of these people that have been trying to get me to go to this thing for, for years. Um, yeah, what were your I'm, I'm glad you got to go. It was great. I did. Yeah, I loved watching you go. I'm just glad it was half a show. Um, it, you know, I, I, I followed it and uh, <clears throat> I'll say a couple of things. One, there was a lot of punching down at that event, which I found to be annoyingly frustrating. Uh, to, to Don's point, there was a lot of media that was harassing it for companies dropping out and stuff like that, which we've seen. And what frustrated me this time more so than even some of the previous shows is we we know this is going to happen. We know that for the next little bit, companies will plan to go to shows and a month out, they'll decide to show up or they'll decide to cancel. And you know, there's multiple reasons why they're doing that. I think the, the story of harassment over that is done. Like, get over it. The They're making decisions based on whatever they're making those decisions. It's fine. I don't need to read a ton of articles about it. Um, from a tech standpoint, there were a couple of really cool things that, that stood out to me. Um, the, the biggest one that I saw that I fell in love with was the new BMW. Uh, with their their exterior color change, which is just freaking beautiful, and I can't wait to see how that tech progresses into other spaces. Uh, from the AV side, there was you know your your regular litany of cool new TVs and all of that fun stuff. Um, the other surprising thing, which I'm sure you don't want me to bring up, but there's a bunch of cheerleaders that were very excited to go to this show who were not excited to go to any other freaking show in our industry because it's so unsafe, but they all were perfectly happy to go to Las Vegas and wear a big KN95 and talk about how great it was to be there with a KN95 as if they couldn't go to Infocom um, or ISC with the same stinking mask and be just as safe. I personally am stuck in my stinking country, so I could not go. Otherwise, I would have been there, but I would have been at all the other ones, too. That that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. All right. Well, we'll take each of those in, in turn. Um, first, send your hate mail to at Matt D. Scott on Twitter, and I will respond. So so here, here's where I'll, I'll – I'll, uh, this is my um, observation from CES. Uh, first of all, I am, I am no longer a popular person in my house uh, because uh, Tom Holland was at CES. And I missed my opportunity to go see him or take a picture uh, for my for my daughter. So there was that. Yeah, Don, he was there. Yeah. Um, At the Sony and, booth. In the Sony booth, uh, talking about um, Uncharted. And uh, he's a little guy, my understanding. Uh, but John Siaka is the one that took the picture. So that's all relative because John's like a seven-foot giant. Um, but there, there was certainly... No, I, I didn't. So... Um, I, I did bring her a CS daily though, so that there was that. Um, with I'm Tom's, sure that was the same. That was Tom's identical. Picture. 
Um, there was I mentioned the the, the Canon has a, a a new product called Almos um, Amlos sorry Amlos A M L O S A M L O S. Um, that is going to make some impacts on UC. Uh, it allows you to take one 4K camera, split up the room four different ways. One of the things that they do with it is take the whiteboard and keystone it, auto keystone it into where it's it's in the environment as it's as if it's straight on, right? Uh, and then it auto ghosts you if you're writing on the board. So suddenly the the words can be auto populating and and, and writing on the board automatically. Um, also, I will um, kind of give up on OLED, which which pains Dawn me uh, and, and me. Um, Mini LED is certainly um, one of those things out there, um, both from TCL and from Samsung. That's very interesting. Uh, and I think that's going to have an impact on the industry. As far as events and people going, so there was a lot made about, at least, at least from the, the U.S. press, about not going. The Verge made a big deal about it. Uh, Gizmodo made a big deal about it. The folks that you would normally see there made a big deal about not going. Um, when in the events that I went to, and we went to some preview events, um, there was a number of foreign press there. Um, so folks, not only that, you know, had English accents, but had accents or, or just spoke a language other than me. Um, and there goes Dawn. So I'll just keep talking until she gets back. Um, but to Matt's point about folks that aren't didn't feel safe going to, to Infocom and, and have said they don't feel safe going to ISC, I don't think that they've said they don't feel safe. What they're claiming is that exhibitors don't want to go. And I think that's a different setup or a different statement. There, um, there, there was a lot. Oh, yeah? Or maybe not a lot. There's a fair number of people who bemoaned how unsafe it would be to go to because Infocom. it was in florida yeah yeah not just florida but yes and that was that was part of their argument now i, I actually had dinner with two of those folks uh who were who were bemoaning the, that um i tested when i got there i will test again um a couple more times this week after after having got, gotten back from vegas um my statement has always been, if you don't feel safe, then don't go, right? Um, that's my statement on ISC. That's my statement on Infocom. If you don't feel safe, don't go. Uh, I do know that, you, Matt, you mentioned the fact that people were pulling out of, of CES a month out. There was people pulling out two weeks out, uh, oh, yeah. including like Google and Facebook and some some high-tech ones. Uh, so we'll see. But, we'll see what happens with, with ISC coming next couple of weeks. And that's been the same for every show. Yeah. Let me interject a, a question as we talk about the aspect of safety and perhaps people not feeling safe as a reason for not going. Um, that may be true, and I can't speak for those who decided not to attend, but I wonder if the underlying issue is basically social shaming. Mm. Um, you know, working on a university campus with uh, 3,000 resident students uh, our student population, our COVID count was extremely low this past year and continues to be so. Uh, I certainly want to believe we're doing a great job of mitigating any risk management issues. But from a larger standpoint, I think people are generally safe. Uh, so when I think about those conferences, I truly wonder whether the decision was not wanting to be a representative of company XYZ and be in attendance 
for fear of social shaming versus concern about public health. Uh, you know, we, we see healthcare professionals certainly masked up, gowned up, they're wearing gloves, but we also see a lot of us interacting uh, in work environments and home environments and going to the grocery store, and we're, we're not hugely impacted by COVID. Now, I could be mistaken because I'm not a healthcare professional, but what I'm gathering and listening to media reports and listening to interviews of healthcare professionals, you know, we certainly have issues with people who engage in super spreader events, minus protection, minus uh, vaccination, regardless of how one feels about being vaccinated. Uh, so again, going back to my first question, is the issue concern is the, is the primary issue a concern over personal safety, or is it a concern over branding and social shaming? Um, so I'll rest with no evidence to support that, uh, but I think it's worth uh, 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 some bit of a conversation. It, certainly it is, and it is something... I, I, I don't think it's a question that can be answered, at least not honestly, not publicly, right? I think that's a question that you might get an official somewhere or an executive somewhere to tell you off the record, Willie. Uh, I don't think that anybody would 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 admit to that um, uh, on the on the record. Is is my sin? Somebody may just say somebody can 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 disagree with me and and prove me wrong, right? If somebody from Google wants to call me up and say, "Hey, you know, officially we did we did it because of public shaming," sure, cool, awesome, groovy. I, I don't think that's going to happen though. You know, as, as, so as I think about Infocom this year, as I think about CES um, and other opportunities where I would have had the opportunity to travel and attend in person, um, travel was heavily curtailed for two reasons on campus. One, certainly from a budget standpoint, and that was understandable. Uh, the other was concern over traveling to an area and perhaps engaging in a practice that may not have been, right? Mm -hmm. Uh when I think about the holidays and my travels and visiting with family and the testing prior to and the testing upon my return, um, you know, I have no positive COVID results to share, nor do any of my family members. And, and, uh, and I know all experiences vary, as do uh, personal behavior. Uh, but again, uh, speaking specifically for me and my institutions, our concern was more along the lines of accountability and risk management, uh, almost doubtful, um, and, and I don't want to misspeak here. I want to be careful how I uh, organize my sentence, but just thinking about risk management on my campus, if you travel, the expectation was you would be extremely safe, not only to protect yourself, but not to put the institution at risk. Uh, if that makes sense. So again, yeah. I do find myself being a little suspect of companies that pulled out for fear of safety or was the larger concern a standpoint of, again, public shaming for attending said event. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to find out if we if we can. Um, all right. Uh, next story comes to us actually from our website. Uh, looking at uh, a new AV over IP system at a, a music venue in Atlanta, uh, in the Reynolds, Reynolds Town neighborhood. 
Uh, the Eastern is a brand new state-of-the-art performance venue designed to offer the best live music experience possible. Uh, what they had to do, though, according to Director of Special Projects um, at Music Matters, uh, they had to um, make sure that the uh, LED video wall as well as the distributed audio uh, was done seamlessly. And for that, they leveraged um, the uh, Kramer over IP uh, solution. Willie, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, this leads me down the road of taking a look at where we're at when it comes to AV over IP. Um, is this a ubiquitous solution? Is it where, where people um, should lead with? Or is it something that is, it, it's a nice to have, but it's not something that we start with? You know, I part of me wants to say it's a nice to have, just thinking about my departmental budget. Um, but I, I truly feel like it's becoming ubiquitous. And, and I will say this, in 2019, Otter hosted the Democratic presidential debate, and AV over IP was very important to the success of that program. So to have multiple stations of individuals, um, let me see if I can phrase that a little better, <laughs> to have a variety of crowds placed in strategic locations across campus, uh, some vetted for safety, others not so much, but to be able to deliver content to those areas using AV over IP meant we were absolutely successful. And that has really become the norm in some of the large events that we're doing on campus. Uh, so uh, again, from my perspective, I want to say we'll see that grow, not only within the university environment, but certainly in the private sector and business. And to a larger extent, I, I feel like COVID has kind of enhanced the visibility of that technology, because we are doing a lot more from a virtual sense. We are doing a lot more with regards to AV over IP, period. Uh, it may, in fact, be a little bit difficult to return to some in-person events because institutions, businesses are recognizing the value of connectivity without the expense of travel. All right. Mr. Scott, when you take when you take a look at your both the the business side and the residential side, mm -hmm. um, where do you see AVR over IP? I, I I feel that it is to a point project specific. Um, there are situations where, uh, to to Willie's point, it is it is a really nice feature, but it's not needed um, in residential. That happens a lot, uh, especially in you know the mid market world. When you start looking at, uh, you know, SMB or House of Worship, which is kind of where we play a lot, it's becoming a necessity. It's not always a necessity, but it's becoming a necessity. And you have to, at the very bare minimum, you have to plan for it and essentially spec it at this point. Whether you end up using, uh, you know, an end-to-end -end Balan versus a true AV over IP system at this point is going to be a budget determination factor but in all of the larger facilities that that we're dealing with it is the primary goal is to design spec and supply av over ip for any sort of large-scale video system it, it just it it is what has become commonplace and what is commonplace going forward all right uh last story here comes to us from the new york times blackberry has ended its service of its quote-unquote once ubiquitous mobile devices. Now, I didn't do this on purpose, but it just kind of worked out the fact that we're going to yes, start with Canadian. Did. 
I didn't. Yes, I you didn't. Did. I just realized. You totally it. did. You set um, me up. BlackBerry is a Canadian company. Rim, uh, they're, they're, you know, research in motion. Matt, we'll start with you on this. And I don't want you to bemoan yes, the, the one technology company that came out of Canada. Um, and the fact easy that there, it, easy, easy. The one. I can't believe you'd throw Christie, our good friends Christie, who oh, are just right. down the street. That's right, they are from that's Rim right. okay, Park. So two, so two. My God, Spotify, two. or I'm sorry, not Spotify, Shopify. No, no, no. Shopify. Shopify no. is also no. in uh, Waterloo, the largest e-commerce platform in the world now. Okay, all right. Is there anything else you got to say? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> this leads me to uh, a different question, not to bemoan BlackBerry. Yes. Um, Come on, Grandma. What what AV gear, what AV technology should end its service, should should be put out, oh. should join the BlackBerry? That is a wonderful question. Um, I, I am sad to see BlackBerry go. I, I will start with that. Yeah. Uh, it was groundbreaking ahead of its time, and had they spent less time trying to get a hockey team and more time evolving in the mid 2010s, uh, they probably still would have been around. Um, and that's a, a, if you're local, you'll get that one. Um, products that need to go shoot. I would argue that, and this isn't a specific product. This is kind of a category. The dramatically overpriced Minimum feature set commercial products that have a consumer equivalent that is cheaper, better, and more effective. Those products need to be, let's say, adjusted. We had a, I had a conversation yesterday with a, with a rep of mine about a PTZ camera mm. and a line of PTZs that are astronomically overpriced compared to the current slate of new products that are out on the market today. That I, I think that is the, that is the kicker is we as a, as an industry, both in the residential and the commercial, we too often sit back and, and hold on to somewhat outdated technology that is incredibly expensive and yell at our, our our dealer base when they're not buying said products because well there's four other products on the market that are cheaper, better, more effective, and heck half the time ship faster. Mm. Yeah, that, that that right there is is important as well. Don, what uh, what AV technology should join BlackBerry? Well, I mean, first of all, my CrackBerry that was that was like kind of smartphone so rest in peace rim uh in that regard but um it's real easy to sit up here and say we need to get rid of all the old you know all the document cameras let's get rid of all the insert tech here and every time you say that people will come out of the woodwork be it a church be it a university or an elementary school or some random engineering office that i tell you about that uses document cameras like the old kind cameras uh, you know there's always somebody that's still using this old tech as much as it pains us to try to integrate this stuff especially as we move more and more to the avi over i 
AV over IP that we talked about in the last story. But, you know, I agree with Matt. We cling too hard to our specific gray boxes and our black boxes with the technology. Um, PTZ camera is one example. I bought a $10 PTZ for my phone that kids use for their YouTube videos and their TikToks. If I can buy that for $10 from five below and throw some batteries to see that in their kids live in their kids bedroom and then say, Hey, you know, $500, $1,000, $1,200 for this PTZ camera. People have got to evolve with that. You know, we don't need to spend umpteen million dollars on this classic always worked control system if there's a software solution or a more elegant solution that takes advantage of where we are technology wise be it you know av over giant big you know 164 by 164 extra on matrix switches or you know i it's just want to take that step and you know we talked diverse in an earlier story this, this is a pretty risk averse to our detriment industry sometimes all right, Willie. Uh, last word on this: what uh, what AV technology should should go bye bye? Dawn did still mine in, in her uh, in her piece, but I I think the VCR. So you, you go, oh. and we'll give you the last word on this. Oh, you said VCR. Okay. Um, I have a tender spot that I'm going to admit to, and that is I love the world of analog technology. So old stuff is cool in my mind. As a matter of fact, I recently treated myself to the purchase of a brand new turntable. Uh, because I have a wonderful collection of vinyl that I have been enjoying now. But if I had to say goodbye to anything, it's not really anything that's on the market now. It instead are things that people continue to bring to campus. And I would love mm. for someone to write code and just push out like an EMP pulse to take down every laptop with a VGA connector. And every faculty who refuses to update their syllabus and continue to use VHS tapes instead of streaming technology or DVD or even, you know, an encoded chunk of video on a flash drive. Please bring that in. Uh, so there are things that still have life on my campus. Um, and I'm happy to support, wink, wink. But again, if there are any coders out there that push out an EMP pulse, it's just kind of take that laptop down or crinkle the metal oxide on that VHS tape, I'd be grateful. As a matter of fact, I, I would it. freeze that lake and let you run across. Okay? So. I got you. I'm going to get my people okay. on it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. that I love that. That that I love the EMP. Uh, absolutely. Um I'll tell somebody a story later about when we migrated all of our VHSs uh, on, on the last campus. To, um, maybe end with this morsel. When it comes to the BlackBerry, um, mine ended its life before the industry ended it. Uh, it seems that I was pulling out of the gas stations with my windows down. The weather was nice. And I turned, it slid across the dash and out the window and uh, that was the end of the BlackBerry. So I am now <laughs> a user of the iPhone, which uh, I'm quite happy with. But I, gosh, I, I do miss the tactile feel, the BlackBerry buttons, I, I have to admit. I, I successfully uh, eliminated the durability aspect of a BlackBerry when they first brought out the BlackBerry Storm. I got one of the first editions. 
and maybe threw it against a wall one day. Um, yeah, not so durable anymore. That was the last BlackBerry I owned. Nokia. Big old Nokia brick. That has any issues. All righty. Uh, thank you all so much. That'll do it uh, for this week. Uh, Dawn Mead, how do people connect with you? Uh, obviously not over my Wi-Fi on a snow day. So. <laughs> all right, Willie, uh, how do people connect with you? Okay, the fastest way is just uh, my email, wfranklin at otterbein.edu, and otterbein is O-T-T-E-R-B-E-I-N. And that's why I have to ask him every time how to pronounce the name of his college. So, uh, Mr. Scott, how do people connect with you, sir? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Matt D. Scott and here at Aviation hosting a Resi Week. Um, but, yeah, feel free to send me. Send me hate mail for my comments on, on Twitter. I will happily send you back a Shit's Creek meme. <laughs> that, that is accurate. That, that is what that he is does. 100% um, accurate. All right. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters because at this point I am still rooting for the Bears, and that is my own problem, and I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, go by the website if you would, please, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Mr. Scott did mention the fact that you can find his program, Resi Week, looking at the residential side, and I'm going to take a wild guess that he's going to cover some of CES on his program nope. next week. No? Okay, there no. you go. No. Um, and uh, Dawn also has a program looking at the marketing and social media aspects of the industry. Uh, obviously, you can check this program out every single week. Um, as it sits right now, we are also going to ISE, Integrated Systems Europe, uh, so you can go by uh, there and uh, look at all of our, our coverage so far. Uh, we'll be hitting that the 1st to the 4th of February. Uh, and a number of other events throughout uh, January, February, and March. So all that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. Mm -hmm.